Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Trip to Reality podcast. I'm Pariah and very excited today to begin with a penetrating topic to say the least. It's a question on immortality and the question is if you could become immortal on the condition you would never be able to die or kill yourself would you choose immortality that's a very deep question would you choose immortality and if you would why i think instinctively or at face value most of us would choose immortality because we have this sort of intrinsic drive of self-preservation to go on living seems to be deeply embedded and ingrained in us uh, this love of life of course with with exceptions though i've thought about this question a lot so there will be implications for whichever of the two you choose immortality or choosing to be immortal under the circumstances of that question let's begin with the definition the definition of immortality being eternal life being exempt from death unending existence indefinitely continuing of the physical and mental existence of the individual When I first looked at this question, it was quite absurd to me because transience, the coming and going, the life and the death cycle, it's so fundamental to all existence. The very fact that a being or anything can contemplate on a question like this is actually so crazy. It's one of the byproducts of consciousness or having an awareness of one's awareness. Yeah, the question is interesting. Instantly, there were questions that came up for example under these specific conditions of being immortal and never being able to die or kill myself what would happen if i spent too long in a body of water what so suddenly i can breathe underwater or stand in front of a furiously fast moving train or try to cut my heart out i mean i think if i could do these activities without dying i'd be a superhuman with supernatural abilities to withstand danger and death Maybe I'm being too pedantic and looking into the details too much and I should actually consider the serious consequences of this trajectory or this course. But yeah, the concept of infinity and eternal life boggles my mind. Eventually I might find even the most gratifying activity is super tedious and boring. And there's been some philosophers that have elaborated on this specific issue of tedium in quite some detail, which we will get into. And so there are a number of concepts, issues, implications and questions to consider for the purposes of answering this question. The first one is the nature of your personality over time. Let's say that I made the decision that I would love to continue living forever. What if a hundred years down the line, 500 years, a thousand years down the line, even a million, eventually I may regret this decision. You know, I was stupid for making that decision. Or something's happened to complete, you know, to cause a complete overhaul of my previous thinking, I would never be able to reverse that then. Or the opposite can happen. Thank you very much. I'd love to stick with mortality. And then on my deathbed, shit, I should have chosen immortality. What would happen then? So, yeah, the nature of personality is something that's being discussed and studied quite comprehensively and continues to be studied by some very intelligent people. Personality is one of the pillars of psychology. No doubt, personality changes over time. 
it's almost absurd to say that one stays the same human being throughout their lifespan. Are you really exactly the same? Do you have the same interests, desires, dreams, aspirations, goals, temperament that you had five years ago or even a year ago, let alone 50 years ago? So your personality will change over time. And if you were to live for a million years, like would you exhaust all personality types? Or would you stick with a few? It's, it's just, I mean, this question branches off into so many different directions. Anyway, on the issue of personality changing over time, there was a philosopher of Yale University called Helly Kagan, who wrote a book called Death. And he argues that any form of human immortality would be undesirable. And he presents a dilemma. He says that either our characters remain essentially the same in an immortal life, or they do not. If our characters remain basically the same, meaning we retain more or less the same desires and interests and goals and aspirations that we have now, eventually, over an infinite stretch of time, we'll get bored and find eternal life very, very boring and tedious and mundane because it's like an endless repetition of the same activities, the same behaviors, the same thoughts. And then he says, if on the other hand, our characters are radically changed, for example, by your memory being erased, you start again from a clean slate and experience, let's say, the pleasures in life for the very first time, as if you've never experienced them before. Such a person will be too different from the current self who chose immortality to care much about what happens to them. So he's basically saying that if the character stays the same, the character of the person stays the same, then it will become unbearably boring. He says, on the other hand, if it changes, then you're no longer identifiable with the previous person. He basically says immortality is unattractive. So he says the best outcome is for humans to live as long as they can and then to accept death gracefully because death sort of rescues us from the unbearable tedium of immortality. It's a very interesting argument. There's a certain undeniable aspect of speculation here, obviously. We wouldn't genuinely know what the outcome of immortality would be. It's easy to say we'll become bored or that the immortality will be meaningless. But these are all quite subjective inputs into it. So it's also very easy to say that I would love to continue living and never die. Now, me personally, I'm just trying to consider the implications of taking up that decision. Because I've not actually said whether I would go for immortality or not. I want to run down through the implications of the decision. Because I already know the implications of being mortal. I'm just trying to dig through the implications of being immortal. And speculate on what that would entail. And one of the factors that have to be seriously considered would be your loved ones dying. Now of course your loved ones can die at any time. They definitely could die before you die, all of them. But if you're now immortal, then they will all definitely die one by one right before your eyes. Not everyone experiences their loved ones dying. Some experience some of them, but to experience all of them like a domino? Sorry to put it so crudely, but like a domino one by one, like a goddamn undertaker, basically. That's what you are. Burying the people you spent your life with one by one. Mary Shelley uh, wrote a short story called The Immortal Immortal, in which the protagonist lives to witness everyone he cares about die around him. 
What do you think? What kind of message was that short story by Mary Shelley trying to convey? It's trying to say, look, we love life. But look at what happens when you, if you were to keep on living. This is just one of a multitude of consequences of having to live forever. And so that's one of them. That's one that would you know, need to be considered seriously. Another one would be living with your great, great grandchildren. To put that into perspective, I've just realized this now myself, actually. You'd not only witness your loved ones dying, you'd continuously witness all the generations from your lineage, your children, children's children, and so on, be born, live, and then die. I mean, if that's not harrowing and, and the source of deep anxiety and suffering, then I really don't know what is. So moving on, another implication would be you'd be aging in a youthful body. Now this is a particularly interesting one because it seems that as your body ages and matures, your mind, your consciousness, your beliefs, your experiences, your thought patterns, your outlook on life also concomitantly mature and age with the body. And of course you'll find elderly people with a very youthful mindset but come on there's only so far you can go having a supposedly youthful mindset in an old frail and fragile body that's just the reality of it but in this situation you'd you'd be like presumably a youthful body i'm assuming it's, it, it would be a youthful body in the context of this question you'd be like five thousand years old let's say looking like a 25 year old for example how old are you who don't mind me asking oh i'm 5032 i'm sorry did you mean 32 no 5032 like come on i mean it just seems so absurd so um i think the more courageous and honorable thing to do would be to accept mortality because i think with this question it's like a thought experiment. It's not. It, let's not take it too literally, and as if we can actually make a choice and choose on to be immortal. It's a kind of question that had me doing inner reflection in a way that I quite haven't. I, I haven't done so with such depth before. In that, it got me thinking real deep about mortality and about the finitude of time. So I think finitude gives life its meaning through a sense of urgency. You know, you nourish and foster a concentrated depth to achieve your goals and create something that outlives the physical body. And that's something we're going to go into that relates to the work of Ernest Becker, who wrote a book called The Denial of Death. Anyway, so yeah, you will never feel the value of existence if you have it all forever. You're most likely, I mean, we're lazy enough as it is, right? It's like our default setting is just, go for, is just to go for the path of least resistance, to do as little as possible, to go for the easiest or simplest thing. Now, imagine if you had life forever. You'd do like a what? A three-year Netflix marathon? Because what usually stops you from doing a Netflix marathon Oh shit, where did all that time go? Oh shit, I need to go to work. Oh shit, this and that. You're looking at the clock. But what need would there be for a calendar? And of course there'll be practical needs for them. But fundamentally, 
Do you need a calendar? Are you going to keep celebrating your birthday? Will your cake fit that many candles? There's a quote that says, mostly it is lost that teaches us the worth of things. And I think that's profound and very true. So that's enough about my opinions and my ramblings on about immortality. Let's take a look at immortality through a societal, literary and historical perspective. So immortality, ever since the epic of Gilgamesh, immortality has permeated throughout cultures, through, through mythology, and it's been a major concern of religious traditions and philosophy. Even in more recent times, you have it as a theme that springs up in cultural works of horror, science fiction, fantasy, and through all these books and plays and theatre and mythologies, the overarching perspective has been that the desire for immortality is misguided. There's a pervasive desire for immortality, but these works of fiction and non-fiction as well, they caution us against this desire and these works of art, which should be taken very seriously, they contain within them all sorts of negative consequences that would result from being immortal. They're cautioning you away from having this desire. So for philosophers, some of them argue that if we were immortal, we wouldn't value our achievements or our loved ones or our health and safety. Other philosophers argue that without death to give us a deadline to finish our projects, we wouldn't feel motivated to do anything. And they argue that we will lead lives full of apathy and indifference. Other philosophers argue that immortal human life would be plotless or meaningless, like a novel without an ending. So I'm sure all of these people are coming from somewhere. There seems to be this historically unanimous perspective that immortality is not a good thing. And though there may be some sort of deep-seated proclivity towards it, once you actually sit down and think about it, it is no good. There's a certain sense of beauty and tragedy in the transience of life. So you'd have to consider the fact that if life was immortal, then such a world would be fundamentally in opposition to the world and lives that we have now. I also want to bring in the perspective of one of my favorite philosophers, Alan Watts. He was a great orator, a man full of wisdom, very witty and very articulate. So he contemplated the idea of immortality. He asked, what would it be like to go on living forever? And he sees it that life would become unbearable. You'd have too many thoughts and memories. These will begin to accumulate and overlap each other until you get to mental chaos. And they just become sounds screaming and penetrating over each other. And he says it's therefore the case that nature mercifully brings this to an end. And henceforth new life springs. I've never personally looked at it that way before. Because most people see it that, oh, it's like a painful reality. We all have to die. It's, we wish it, wouldn't, it wasn't like this, but what, was, what is the alternative to it? The alternative is that you keep on living and living and living. And the mental chaos that Alan Watts describes ensues. 
I've never looked at it that way. Out of nature's mercy, this mental chaos, this psychological affliction and burden of life comes to an end. I'm sure we can all acknowledge that life is inherently difficult. It's a challenge. And I'm not saying let's not rise to a challenge. I'm simply saying that the challenge, the journey is temporal. It's limited by time. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Then it ends, beginning and end. So we need to meditate on death. There are tremendous benefits to be gained from meditating on death. This is what we need to understand. We need to graciously accept our mortality. It's difficult to even initiate this process, but anything that's worthwhile is very difficult in the beginning. You can't understand something unless you immerse yourself in it. So if you immerse yourself in death and deliberations on death, what could be the outcome? You don't know. Anyway, that's enough of a tangent. Let's move on to Ernest Becker. Now, we're going to dedicate an entire episode to the work of Ernest Becker because he had quite insightful perspectives on the issue of death and how human beings make sense of death through uh, a symbolic defense mechanism. He basically says that human beings are self-aware. They're able to think about the future and they're able to think about a future that does not include them. Therefore, they're aware of their own mortality. And this creates an anxiety in humans, knowing they could die at any moment and that they will definitely die at some point. And this unpredictability and ultimate complete annihilation of one's physical existence creates an unconscious but chronic anxiety that we try to alleviate by spending all our time and energy avoiding it, explaining it, delaying it, ignoring it. A cognitive dissonance is occurring by the fact that, oh, I'm a human being, I'm important, I have a sense of intrinsic value, yet at the same time, I'm composed of matter and I will disintegrate and decay into the ground. And so to overcome this cognitive dissonance, we take part in a heroism project. Now, the heroism project could be an individual level or a societal level. So the heroism project is you trying to outlive your biological life through something that gives you a greater sense of meaning or purpose. Now, that could be an artistic pursuit. It could be a whole load of things. And society, on a societal level, it's things like laws, religions, cultures, mythology, values, standards of excellence and behavior. Both the individual and the societal projects aid in relieving the stresses associated with your awareness of your mortality. According to Becker, that's how human beings try to reconcile their awareness of their mortality. The reason why I wanted to include this idea by Ernest Becker in the immortality episode is plainly because he talks about the symbolic immortality of human beings as opposed to the material immortality of human beings. And that's here on earth. That's what's actually happening. People seeking projects of meaning and value and purpose. I don't necessarily agree with him that it's entirely as a result of a fear of death, but that's something we can discuss in further detail in an episode dedicated entirely to the work of Ernest Becker. 
Now finally I wanted to talk about some contemporary issues surrounding the idea of immortality and there's been a number of ways or projects that human beings have initiated in the modern day to actually if not achieve immortality then attempt to expand the human lifespan exponentially and not necessarily in a physical sense you got this thing called mind uploading in other words digital immortality they're trying to figure out or they prophesize about future circumstances where you'd be able to transfer the mind's information or consciousness to a machine now this presents some philosophical considerations such as could a machine ever actually be conscious and would a emulation or a duplication of the brain preserve personal identity is the personal identity holistically still intact despite the fact that it's been completely severed from the physical human body i mean the very idea that someone would want to continue living in a computer as if that would be something that would even closely resemble their life as it is in a human body i mean i guess this desire for eternal life was stronger in human beings than i may have thought it was initially you've got another method or an attempt to extend life indefinitely and that's something called cryonics in other words freezing some people have actually paid it's been done in the past and it's actively being done in, in the present they've paid to preserve their corpses in low temperatures hoping that one day technology will be around to revive their bodies and the fact that this method has been regarded with skepticism by the mainstream scientific community as well as being economically unviable somehow these are still not strong enough obstacles to prevent people from going for it regardless now at this stage it's just getting irrational the fear of death man the irrationality the ungracious cowering in the face of the inevitable that's what it seems like to me now you've also got these ultra wealthy people in silicon valley and elsewhere pumping vast amounts of money into research that aims to slow down or even reverse aging it's a process called engineered negligible sorry engineered negligible negligible senescence i'm terrible at pronouncing certain words they want to basically develop medicinal procedures that keep you alive and healthy and some of these strategies include like genetic manipulation and nanotechnology what do you make of that tell me drop me a message email me what do you make of these ultra rich people i guess you come to a stage where you have so much money that you just say screw it whatever i've got all this surplus capital let me try and buy some more years there's something honorable and reverential about someone who accepts death graciously and courageously accept it as part of his nature as much as he accepts his birth as part of his nature maybe we should look at this in a bigger context this cryonics this mind uploading this engineered negligible senescence maybe zoom out of the individual attempts and look at it as a logic of technology and and technology's unceasing attempts to conquer nature but nature cannot be conquered all of these methods 
are just symptoms of humankind's pathological attempts to conquer nature. All of this might, all of this power, all of this technology, it will simply one day collapse under the greatness of its own gravity. Look, the ending is just as important as the beginning. They go together like back and front. Everything has a beginning and an end, even the universe. This seems to be the nature of all things and all phenomena. I saw, to be honest, the question about choosing or not choosing immortality. It's absurd, but it was fun to think about. But ultimately, just like my forefathers and ancestors have done, I'm going to have to learn and accept my mortality and the transience of life. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening. At the moment, you can contact me on triptoreality at gmail.com for any questions, comments or concerns. I'm your host, Pariah, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you.